fresh out the oven, it's Cinema Bombs. I'm Wade. And I'm Emmett. Cinema Bombs is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in popular film franchises, one each week, to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today we are concluding our mini-series, Unforgettable, covering all the films written by Greta Gerwig. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series because there are currently none. Emmett, how are you doing? I feel great to be talking about one of the greatest movies of all time. Ooh, love it. I'm so happy to be here. How are you? I'm doing I'm doing great. How do you feel about finishing our second series? I astounded, honestly. We spent so much time on those X-Men, and now we've just like <laughs> breezed through these Greta Gerwig movies, and it felt like... I like movies again. What is, what is this? It's it's yeah. not like a chore. It's fantastic. I'm very excited for our upcoming series. A little teaser for that. I know we're not oh, announcing sure. yet, but uh, very excited for what's coming down the pipeline. Listen, I adore this movie. I'm very excited to talk about it. And I adore our special guest, who we are honored to have. He is an actor, comedian, a musician, perhaps best known to our audience for his hit Broadway musical, Kermit Did You Know? The Miss Piggy Story. (laughs) Please welcome Adam Hobbs. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. This is also one of my favorite movies, so I'm thrilled to talk about it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so you, you'd seen this movie before? I have, yes. I saw it when it, around when it first came out, I saw it in theaters, and then I've seen it like three or four times since then. Have you seen any of the other Gerwig movies? I've seen Lady Bird, but that's all. How do you feel about Lady Bird and young Saoirse Ronan? I really love Lady Bird. I um, saw... Oh my gosh, what's her name? What's her name? What's her name? The mom. The mom. Uh, Oh, Laurie Metcalf. Laurie Metcalf. I saw her um, in the play Hillary and Clinton on Broadway, and I I just really love her. So, like, her as the mom was great. So, and Saoirse Ronan is um, delightful. Which one was she playing? Hillary. (laughs) I saw that in Chicago when it premiered, but there was, like, no one notable in it. Mm. I thought it was okay. Yeah, it was like an interesting play. the The vibe was interesting. I saw it was her, and then John Lithgow played Bill. That's cool. Wow. Yeah, I saw it before he had written Doll's House Part Two and was set for life. So it was kind <laughs> of like when I saw it, people were like, "Oh, who's this guy?" Okay, interesting. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I think the big name actors kind of like made me enjoy it. Like it was just like, mm. "Oh, this is so cool seeing these people yeah. act." So, you know. Okay, today we are talking about little women as we mentioned so just setting the scene a little bit here uh this movie is based on the novel written by louisa may alcott it was first published in 1869 wow nice the original book is separated into two parts which were published as separate books originally a year apart it's about these four young sisters growing up in New England in the American Civil War. And so the first part is them as kids, as they're sort of dealing with their father being away at the war and, like, fun childhood things and fights. And then the second half is, like, them as adults as they're 
getting married and trying to live out their adult life and everything. The novel is semi-autobiographical because it is based on Louisa May Alcott's childhood and also the childhood of her mother, Abigail, which was interesting. Yeah. This film is directed and written by Greta Gerwig, so sixth film she's written, second she's directed. This is the seventh adaptation of Little Women. Mm. The first one was a silent film in 1917, which is just crazy to think about. (laughs) And this one is like most notable for what she does with it is that this is the first adaptation of Little Women ever that has gone out of chronological order. Mm -hmm. So she has kind of interspersed bits from part two with bits from part one, and you watch like both of the books play out simultaneously. Are you telling me that Greta Gerwig is the only person who fits the Venn diagram of people who have both read Little Women and watched Quentin Tarantino movies? (laughs) (laughs) That may be true, (laughs) in fact. Yeah, because I haven't seen Quentin Tarantino movies. And I haven't read Little Women. (laughs) We had to read it in middle school. Yeah, have you read the book, Adam? Yeah, I actually read it last year around when the movie came out because I was like being like, oh, I'm going to read the book. So I read the book. (laughs) How did you feel about what she does in the movie with interspersing the two halves of it? Oh, I really like it. I think it, but especially with the bear, Professor Bear, like Uh relationship, it gives it time to like, develop because in the book it's kind of like oh here's this new guy that we're supposed to care about at the very end and then she marries him it's so, weird yeah <laughs> it is weird in the book. <laughs> so that i think that that was um smart for greta gerwig to like play it that way uh, that's a good point because you introduce him like right at the very beginning you're like "Ooh, who's this hot guy that she's like into she like obviously <laughs> has chemistry with him in the first couple of scenes that she's in and then we let that simmer as we go through her entire history with Lori, so you can watch her fall in love all over again for the first time. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that's wild is the first relationship you see Joan is with Bear. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the first time you see Lori, you learn a that the first time you ever meet this character, you learn that Joe has rejected him and that there is like maybe something between him and Amy, who's the sister played by Florence Pugh. And it still surprises you. It still like Mm. rips you up when it happens. I think, I don't know. It It does for me anyway. Maybe the thing the book is most famous for is that there is sort of this like romance, friendship, devotion between the lead character, Joe, who is kind of, has a lot of elements of the author, Louisa May Alcott, and her neighbor, Lori, who is played in the movie by Timothy Chalamet. Joe is played by Saoirse Ronan. Famously, in part two of the book, they don't end up together. Partially a statement by Louisa May Alcott about like women not needing to uh, marry to be happy and a relation to the fact that like everyone who read part one like kept writing or asking her, Mm. when they were going to get married and like falling in love with these characters being together i love that dude she's savage she's just just like no straight up the fans want this absolutely not not a chance sonny i'm gonna make it as tragic as possible she's like i'll just throw in this random old dude for her to marry at the very end I mean, that's the thing. I, we can just get into this right now. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> you don't have to do all the preamble. No, no, no. But, like, so in the book, the, this movie makes changes to Professor Bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know this, too, Adam, because you've also read it. But in the book, he's, first of all, he's 
older than I think he is in this movie. He's 40 in the book, and she's 20. Yeah, yeah. And how old do you think he is in this movie? He's a little older. Maybe 30. Yeah, probably, like, at most early 30s. Yeah, I felt like early 30s, too. And he's not hot. They make a point of saying that in the book, that he's not handsome, uh, and that they're, like, a weird match together. I guess the question is, like, how serious are we supposed to take Mm. Bear in the book? Mm -hmm. Like, is she really saying, like, when you grow up, you want a different thing, and, like, you make a different type of love work, and that's what life is like? Or is it just sort of, like, a middle finger to the publishers who did make her they were like and and this is the meta element of the movie that we'll talk about but the publishers were like hey she has to get married joe has to get married and then louisa was like okay well she's not marrying Lori, so i'll just throw in like this gross old guy and it won't make sense (laughs) how do you like that now i'm gonna just raise a small objection here as the child of parents who are 23 years uh, part and age mm-hmm. like sometimes that happens and they're still like happily together and have three of us it's like i don't i haven't read the book i don't know what it might be like there if that's like realistic or not in terms of that book but i definitely take the point that they have cleaned it up a little bit by making him young and hot and like have <laughs> chemistry with her you know like yeah. that really yeah. that really does like make that choice a lot easier for her at the end too well i think that her biggest like thing to the publisher was that she didn't have her end up with Lori. so i think she still wanted joe to like be happy properly so i mm-hmm. imagine that she still wrote like intending for her to be happy with this man mm-hmm. i also like to think that like bear to me is someone that stimulated her intellectually and that was what she connected with more because like Lori and her were just like friends and like grew up together and they had that close bond more like siblings but like with bear it was like he understood her intellectually and like thought of her saw her for her like intellectual worth Mm. i guess yeah that's a good point to your point emmett they are it does show them being happy at Mm. the end of the book Mm. they just it just does say like they're a weird match yeah (laughs) the score for this movie by alexander desplat the french composer and i think that this is like his magnum opus i think he does such good work here it is beautiful yeah it's really really good and it's mostly all piano i want to say i think it's pretty much all like instruments that were there at the time i think it was honey and gossamer (laughs) and and gold were the instruments that he played on and the very heartstrings of an angel oh my gosh uh the movie is two hours and 15 minutes notably 40 minutes longer than any other greta gerwig film it's almost as long as an x-men movie (laughs) i was so like captured by it and like into the story and i just love all the actors so much i don't think i was ever thinking about like oh when is this gonna end or like oh it's yeah. going too long. Like, I don't know. I was just like into it. And that's been true every time I've watched it because I've watched it a few times and I don't get like bored with it. I love every minute of this movie. I don't think it's too long, but I do think it suffers from a Return of the King problem in that it has like a lot of endings at the end and Ooh. you kind of start hmm. to, you're like, okay, this is wrapping up now. And then it isn't. And you're like, I'm okay with it not wrapping up right now. But I thought it was going to. I think it's definitely a, the slowest paced of any of hers Mm -hmm. but i think it is still pretty quick paced 
Like this is there are still so many scenes in yeah. this movie. It is so quick paced for his for like a historical looking movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like for a movie set in that time, it's very quick paced. It has the feeling of a 2019 movie. Just like I think that's kind of like what's really cool about this is that she's like, oh, what if I made a good movie? but just took this content as the like the basis for it as opposed to being like let me do my 5 hour PBS miniseries on this thing little women also like i love little women but it can easily be very boring <laughs> like it can be done mm-hmm. in a very boring way mm-hmm. so i think mm-hmm. like the fact that she did it and it wasn't boring is yeah a tribute to like her talent yeah and one of the other big things that people talked about a lot is that she it's very like contemporary rhythms of dialogue Mm -hmm. like all of the dialogue is period and a lot of it is taken from the book but sort of like the way they've overlapped a lot of it Mm -hmm. and like the speed at which it goes is very modern but who's to say if it's modern or not like isn't that just how people probably really talk and we only think they talked that way because of literature and, like, because of this weird conception of, like, the record that we have of that. Yeah. And, like, audio recording wasn't very good in the early days. So if you were recording things, you needed to be very clear on, like, who was speaking when. This movie was released December 25th, 2019. A Christmas Day movie released by Sony Pictures. She really made it. The big, <laughs> The big leagues. When this movie started and there were all of like the oh actual gosh. studio logos, I felt it's... such a swell of pride for her. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's like finally make that bank. Like, yes, she deserves every penny yeah, of whatever she made for it. Speaking of, this film had a budget of forty million. It needed to make about eighty million to break even, which is what Lady Bird made, eighty million. Wow. It ended up making two hundred and twenty million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so legit. Yeah. It was uh according to deadline the twenty fourth most profitable film of twenty nineteen. Wow. It was critically acclaimed, ninety one on Metacritic compared to Lady Bird's ninety four. Mm. Okay. okay. It was nominated for six Oscars, Best Picture, Best Actress for Ronan, Best Supporting Actress for Pew. Oh my god, please give it to her. She needs it. Which seems like a joint Oscar with Midsummer. Like I feel like her having both of those in six months is part of why that happens too. For sure. Best Score and the only one that it won, Best Costume Design. Mm. Damn. Yeah, that's pretty incredible, too. And isn't this the one that you were read that uh, quote about a while back where you said that she wanted to make all the costumes sustainable? Yeah, most of them are actually sourced from, like, around the 1800s. Oh, that's so cool. Which is crazy. Like, they're pretty much all vintage pieces. And then after they finished it, they, like, all got recycled to be in other movies. Or, like, to have the fabrics used for other things. And the outfits in this, especially Florence Pugh's entire wardrobe. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Stunning. The black dress with, like, the gold patterns on it. But let me talk about Florence Pugh for a second. One of my favorite actresses now. After this movie in Midsummer, and honestly, I think it's just her face is so expressive. There's something going on. She's very funny. She's very crazy. I think it's a joy to have her in this film 
she does that thing where like this character would be so hateable if it wasn't her playing it. Mm-hmm. It's like this you're like you do not want Lori to go off and marry this sister who has like done all of these pretty horrible things to Joe. Mm-hmm. And yet it's her. And when she looks at him, you know, and you're just like, "Oh my god." Ugh trying to humanize that character is a lot of what this movie does mm-hmm. and like also a lot of what the structure does mm-hmm. when you read the book it's like she's the annoying sister and then she burns the book which is like unforgivable <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and then in part two like she's a real character but she just marries laurie instead and you just get pissed at it yeah but like in the movie you meet her and Lori first. And you also meet her as an adult first. So you mm-hmm. know that she doesn't end up sort of like how she is. Yeah. As a kid. I love everything in this movie, but I think that like the Paris all of the Paris scenes with her and Chalamet are my favorite. They're so good. Yeah, I agree. She's wonderful. And I think that that the setup that like Greta Gerwig did with like starting there was really smart with that storyline too. Um and like mm. Letting us, even though like Joe is a protagonist, it kind of gave Amy like her protagonist moments of like what, seeing what she wants and like how she's getting mm. it and seeing her journey and her growing. Like you even see like her as a kid, you're seeing how much she loved Lori like from early on. And when she's making the cast of her foot to gift <laughs> with, show her, her nice feet. Incredible. <laughs> Love her confidence. You know, you go for it, girl. <laughs> I would never. I would never. Yeah. Wade has Wade has beautiful feet. Wade can give a cast of his feet to somebody <laughs> as a present. They would yeah. love it. I was a little confused about how it works because what is it like? I was. She too. puts her foot in it. So like, is it a cast around her foot where there's just like a foot shaped hole? No. So what she would do is she would she would put her foot in that, uh-huh. crack, cut that in half. And then fill it with some sort of clay or something in the mm. negative space where her foot was. Gotcha. To form it into that shape. That's wow. how this sort of casting stuff would work. Nowadays, you just take a pick. So much harder <laughs> back then. Yeah, it was <laughs> so much harder to flirt with yeah. some foot picks. She really was watching Tarantino. Oh my god. <laughs> Amy is the original Wiki Feet member. Oh my god. <laughs> For all the Oscar love that this movie got. No love for Greta Gerwig. Not nominated for Best Director. Unbelievable. Uh, her script was nominated, but not Best Director. Widely considered a snub. And Natalie Portman wore a dress to the Oscars that had Greta Gerwig's name on it. That's cool. In, oh, yeah. like, awareness of it. It had a bunch of other female directors, too. But it's very cool. It's like a cape, and it just has, like, Gerwig stitched into the lining all over it. I love wow. that. Yeah, any thoughts? Any thoughts on Oscar Watch, Emmett? Returning our old segment, Oscar Watch. Yeah, I mean, you can, you know what the Oscars can go do. I can't <laughs> say it on the air, but I will tell you that Dick Cheney said it to a reporter one time. <laughs> Dick Cheney, beloved friend of the Oscars, friend oh of the gosh. Oscars. He Dick was Cheney. nominated. Oh, this he year was, wasn't he? <laughs> when Greta Gerwig wasn't for for Vice. Uh, for, for, for Vice? Yeah, you know, I'll say right there next to the Oscars is a special place for stars, the streaming service that we watched this on. Oh, my gosh. Because every 15 minutes in the movie, they put up this bright flashing stars logo in the corner. Oh, my gosh. And it was there for like five minutes. 
it was, it was so annoying. I, I on I, it was very annoying. I honestly think it would have been less annoying if it had been there the whole time. I think so too. And yeah. the fact that it would like go off and on was very <laughs> distracting. <laughs> but like, what annoying. possible service? Does it fill because we have to have stars already to watch it? <laughs> so it's not like trying to sell me on getting it. I've already done the most that I I have given everything I can to stars, and they've still done this to me. They just want to remind you. I wouldn't say that. We did use the seven day free trial. <laughs> we did, and then immediately deleted it. But if they hadn't have put up that little logo, I might have kept it. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> That's what I have to say. That's what I have to say to stars. Oh my gosh. I have two pull quotes for the reviews of this movie. All right. The first one is um, Anthony Lane from that vestibule of journalism, The New Yorker. He writes, The movie's outward gaze is radical, yet it refuses to scorn the comforts that are honored by the conservative imagination. Such poise is almost as rare in cinema as it is in politics. And right now, though we can't foretell whether time will be cruel or kind to Gerwig's Little Women, it may just be the best film yet made by an American woman. <laughs> Damn. Um, I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. I yeah, thought so too. I'm trying to like... <laughs> what does he mean by its outward gaze is radical? I don't really know. I mean, it definitely is like the structure of it. Okay. I think. Well, like, no, it is, like, a pretty socially liberal movie. Mm-hmm. Like, all of the stuff about the woman's place that yeah. Amy gets and, like, all of the meta stuff that Joe mm-hmm. gets about, like, feminism and art and everything. Mm-hmm. But it is also sort of, like, close to that, like, little house on the prairie family values sort of ideal, mm-hmm. too. That's true. Yeah. You know, which is what I think he's pointing out. The big compliment that is also, like, very weirdly qualified in the best movie made by an a Amer- woman. By, by an, an American, American woman. woman. Something about that doesn't say <laughs> Yeah, it's just, me. like, just not, it's just, like, <laughs> it feels like an insult. The way that he's saying it, it feels like, it feels yeah. like some sort of weird slight. Even if it's true, it doesn't feel right, you know? Like... Oh, like it just is one of the best movies. The way that, like, yeah, the way yeah. that he said it, he didn't have to say American women. Like, yeah, yeah. it's just not like, necessary. Yeah. You could have said one of the best adaptations of American literature. Yeah. How about that? A pull quote I like a little bit better is by Madison Ripley on Letterboxd, who writes Little Women is like if the song Ribs by Lord was two hours long. <laughs> Which I think is right. Like, I this movie is true. like so nostalgic and so like longing yeah in the same way that lord's music is and that i think of like music being more than film most Mm, of the time mm -hmm. well adam little women flopper bop it's a bop it's a bop (laughs) great great movie I have a bad habit of like loving a movie before I've even seen it just because of the actors in it. Mm-hmm. And I have to be like, okay, you have not seen it yet. So this was one of those that I was like already going into like, this will be my favorite movie of all time. And then I watched it and I was like, okay, this may be my favorite movie of all time because I just really loved it. Yeah, like I, I love the cast and I think that Greta Gerwig really captured um, the truth of like the book and but brought mm. it to like today. Like she captured that like simplicity and that like hominess that's like in the story of like this family like doing kind of like 
just their day-to-day life, but also like it felt bigger than that at the same time, if that makes sense. And whoever said conservatives have a monopoly on family? <laughs> what the hell is that about? <laughs> Emmett? Yes. Flop for Bob. <laughs> It's a bop. It's come on. It's a bop. Yeah, it's a bop. Yeah, it's a bop. It's, it's like a certified bop. It's like certified. Like and not even a question. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like we've been just hyping this movie for twenty five minutes already, <laughs> and you're gonna go and ask me a question like that. <laughs> I feel like it's sometimes harder with these really good movies, like with Lady Bird, where I'm like. What is there to say other than it's great? <laughs> it's great. Go watch it. I mean, fantastic. Okay, okay. Let's can we just run down the cast list? Sure, sure, and sure. Talk and about do a cast all, report. All let's the do it. fantastic people in this movie. Yeah. Sure. Saoirse Ronan as Joe. Yeah, I think she was like spot on casting, and like she's just such a star and like so so talented. So, like putting her as Joe was just like yes. I read that when. Gerwig announced that she was directing it, which was after Lady Bird had come out. Sersha texted her and said, I'm going to play Joe. <laughs> and Greta was like, okay, well, give me a few weeks to think about it. <laughs> because she didn't want, like, you know, like her to just pick it herself. And then she was like, yeah, she should be Joe. Like, yeah, that is the yeah. thing that Joe would do. Yeah. Uh, and then she said, interestingly, that, like, if it was Sersha, it had to be Chalamet. And then you have them, and then you have the whole thing. Her range is, is is stunning, and she goes through like all of it in this movie. She's doing funny stuff. She's doing big, broad comic stuff. She's doing tragedy. Sometimes she's doing them at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, I okay. Can I say about this that I always was like in the first time that I watched this, I w- was sympathized much more with Lori in that scene in the final scene between the two of them mm. and then this time around i was like oh no 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 she's like completely 100 percent doing the right thing it just sucks yeah yeah i agree the first time i was i don't want to say like on laurie's side but i did like feel for him more mm-hmm. and then the second time i was just a little more like it is the right thing mm-hmm. but like it still is so sad. It's such a sad. It's still such a sad scene. Oh, it was. Yeah. Well, let me say both times. I I so I we watched this together in theaters and then watched it the other night. I've only seen it twice, but like both times, the last ninety minutes were just waterworks. Yeah, oh, like yeah. all the way through. Yeah, it's like it gets thirty minutes in, you start crying, and you. I mean, you might stop intermittently. <laughs> And to laugh at some moments, but you're probably just going to be leaking the rest of the movie. It's, yeah. it's so I mean, sad. I'm the type of person that, like, if a movie wants me to cry, I'm crying. Because I'm just, yeah. I cry at anything. Like, I feel that sadness is there, and I'm like, okay, I'm crying. And so this movie got me good. I mean, kind of interesting, because some adaptations do use different casts for the two parts. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely, like, you can kind of tell when they're doing the old stuff that they're the same age and they're like playing young a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I think it also works because like the whole thing feels like Joe's storytelling. So like mm. it doesn't have to be perfectly like the realism of that. It can just be like these are her sisters and she's so she's thinking of them and like mm. remembering the stories but like of them now in a way. Like Yeah. When Florence Pugh's in the school, I'm like oh, these are yeah. like children and she's like a grown woman in the oh, middle of the class. Yeah. But, but, like, I don't even care because she plays it so well, and, like, it's just fun. That's true. But I definitely, like, for a moment, was like, so those are, like, 
12 year olds <laughs> yeah <laughs> a grown woman. Yeah. yeah the structure thing too sort of makes it a movie about joe looking back on her life mm-hmm. like it is sort of a movie about joe in the present like searching for something that's like what all of these memories were to her yeah which also makes it sort of like a memory play in some ways mm-hmm. which obviously like all of the book is since it's semi-autobiographical but in the book everything is like happening in the present mm. and then i feel like in the movie that stuff sort of has like the hint of like that it's embellished and that it's a memory that you're looking at like with fondness rather than yeah something that's playing out in the moment we've got emma watson as meg who i want to mention was originally played by emma stone who dropped out to do the favorite instead. Mm. I feel like she would have been a weird Meg. Yeah. I could like see her being Joe, although I don't, I'm not saying I want that because I want Saoirse Ronan, but like yeah. Emma Stone gives me more Joe vibes than yeah. Meg vibes. I feel like she could have done Amy. I feel like that's the one I see her the that's most. That's the one that I was going to say. I see that too. But she's also too old to have done the like young Amy stuff the way that Florence yeah. Pugh kind of can pull it off but i think she has more of that like playfulness of joe or amy than mm-hmm. like meg mm-hmm. is a little bit more of the like serene sweet i mean yeah. i'm not saying she would have been bad because i love him stone but like it's not necessarily like what my first thought i think emma watson is like a meg type uh, wade you said something interesting when we were watching about how she's like the older sister of a generation of movie watchers and yeah. you kind of, she kind of you greta was kind of playing into that by casting her mm-hmm and I think, like, smartly so. Yeah. And one of maybe, like, the only person who has, like, properly used Emma Watson post Harry Potter. <laughs> I mean, you've got her in Beauty and the Beast, which is, like, the other big one she does. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Is it good? I, I mean, I'm the type of person that loves everything, so I, like, enjoyed it. But I think <laughs> she's not a singer, so she shouldn't have been cast in a musical. But, okay. like... She does. She's lovely. Like she's a lovely Belle. She's beautiful. She, it does fine. It's not. It's not bad. I just like. I still like love her. I didn't like the movie, but she is good casting. Like yeah, she fits. It Belle. makes like, sense. But I think she's really good in this in a way that she like kind of hasn't been given the chance to in most things. I also feel like this is the oldest she's played, and I think that at least for me, feel free to disagree with me. The movie like manages to make the meg stuff interesting which is like we have to pay bills (laughs) i struggle with meg because she's definitely the one that i like i think i care about the least but like Mm. it's not that i don't care about her i just kind of like when the story's happening if it's not focused on her then i kind of like forget what's even like going on with her but i will agree that like emma watson i think made it and i think the fact that we all love her and grew up with her helps that and like it helps us just like listen to this character because we love this person. Like I do think her stuff is mildly interesting. I still think it's the least interesting thing in the movie. I resonate with being poor and having to pay bills. So <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah. I love stuff, so like I feel her. Like I want things, <laughs> but I can't pay for them. Yeah, she has that very strange little gift of the magi moment with her uh-huh. man, and that's uh, okay. You read The Gift of the Magi. But maybe she wrote this before that, so I don't know. Maybe she's really the OG. I do enjoy, like, the side of it that it takes where with, like, Meg, because Joe's, like, marriage, no, thank you, not for me. But, like, Meg, that is, like, what she wants more than anything. And so, like, this idea that, like, 
feminism isn't about necessarily like one thing or the other. It's about mm. like letting women choose for themselves, like what life they want and what's right for them. Yeah, I think Meg has that really good line about it in the movie too. She's like, just because my dreams are different doesn't mean they're or like different than yours doesn't mean they're not like important. You know, that kind of bounces back to that girl from uh, Lady Bird, who's her friend who they're talking about how she wants to just stay in Sacramento and raise kids. Oh yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of, there's kind of a similarity there. There's a lot of similarities between a lot of the characters in this movie and all of the previous Greta movies. Mm. I think it's like such a wild magic trick that Greta makes Lady Bird and Little Women like both period pieces like both very much about the time and the place and yeah. being about like the costumes and the music and the way they talk and being enveloped in the time and place. And yet they are both like the most universal coming of age movies. Like everyone watches them who wasn't in California in the nineties or new England in the 1860s <laughs> and is like, yeah, that's what that's what it was like when I was growing up. Yeah. Pew, Florence Pew as Amy. I love her. Like, I mean, this is like a simple. I just love her like speaking voice. Like, I could listen to her just talk. Like, she just like captivates me when she speaks. Mm-hmm. And especially like, I love her. I love her speech to Laurie about like the economic preposi- proposition. Like speech where she's like, "Yeah, I'm making like a choice, an economic proposition with my marriage because I have to. Because look at the world we live in." <laughs> like, I really liked that like take on it because. Like, Joe obviously doesn't think in those terms, but Amy does. And I think that there's a lot... I think that this movie did a good job of... Sorry if I'm, like, going off on a tangent. The, this movie did a good job of, like... Even though Joe and Amy are kind of, like, at against each other, there's a lot that they have in common with, like, their ambition and their, like, drive to, like, make something in the world. Like, you kind of... I think that they're very similar in, like, ambition. They just have different things that they're shooting for, you know? Mm. Um, which I li- I feel like this movie... For me, when I watch it, like, I saw that more and maybe it's just because of the way like florence played it too like she brought out more of that drive of amy not just the like i want to like be married because it's you know i want to have pretty things it felt like more like to make her way in the world i don't know if in the book her painting is like really her artistry is really focused on but because we get introduced to her in the older part of the narrative she's already like a pretty damn good painter when you see her yeah and she's mm-hmm. like she's disappointed in her work, but every like anybody just looking at it, I would be proud if I painted half as good as any of those things. So like, yeah. you know, like she is getting there, and she has this moment where she's like, "If I can't be great, I don't want to be anything at all." And you're like, "Oh well, there's the kid again," but she's really good, and yeah. it kind of makes it so that it's not like, "Oh, there's Amy who likes to paint, and Joe's the real artist," but they're both artists, yeah, and they're both like on that same same trajectory and just because amy also values like high society and being an artist in high society and like wearing nice dresses doesn't make her any less of an artist than joe who's like rough and tumble and doesn't care how she looks and has ink stains all over you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's just two different kinds of the same if for how good she is if she was a man like people would have been praising her paintings but she's a woman so she had to she felt like she had to go like even further because like no one's even like looking at her because she's a woman. Yeah, I feel like the other movies are kind of like Amy, she's vain. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the thing about her. And in this movie like she's maybe the most talented of any of them. 
and also like the least concerned with her art of <laughs> sort of all of them it feels like well they're all great artists aren't they meg's an actress mm-hmm. joe's a writer and uh beth, beth is, is a, a pianist yeah a musician who's also very good very very talented yeah, yeah. That's and she has that interesting speech about like like my music is just for us like nobody else has to hear it. That's a really cool thing too because there are people who are like that where it's like they have that huge talent and they just don't care about getting anything from anyone else for it. Yeah, They're just content with it. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what that's like. Wow. <laughs> Gerwig's pitch for this movie was about, uh, it says, commerce and art and what you have to do to make things commercial. Wow. Wow. Was, like, what her pitch for Little Women was. Interesting. Uh, God, Greta, our anti-cap queen. <laughs> Which is also interesting, like, in this movie where she goes commercial. Yeah, tr- <laughs> truly, truly. You know? Truly. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like so much of... All of her movies are about separately about like what it's like to make art mm. and and separately about what it is like to hear feedback mm. about your mm. art. Yeah. <laughs> like that is like clearly a huge sticking point in all of these movies. <laughs> oh yeah. And like the whole thing with Bear and this where she like can't take it but then like comes around to it at the end. Yeah. It's also an interesting corollary with the boyfriend, the first boyfriend character in Old Mistress America. Um, of the young writer boyfriend mm-hmm. uh, who gives her feedback that she doesn't like and maybe isn't good, but in this movie, a similar character gives better advice. When he first started giving advice, I was like, shut up. And then I was like, oh, wait, he's okay. I hear because at first he's like, it's bad. And I'm like, that's not criticism. Yeah, but that's... he goes, he did get further into it. So I was like, okay, I'll give him a second. But first, I was like, shut your mouth. I was like, so mad at him. And then I was like, take a breath out of like it's okay i also like i get i mean i'm sure we all get like where saoirse ronan's character is coming from, like where joe's coming from like that it especially like early on your art is very personal it's easy to get very defensive because it's personal it feels personal you put personal things into it so yeah but also at that point it's published like he is reading her published yeah. stories that thousands of other people are reading and it's like he's the first person to ever give her any feedback about what it's like maybe i mean that's that is what the movie says because he's like do you is this the first time anyone has talked to you about like what art is and how you get better as an artist (laughs) and it clearly is because she quits and like has a (laughs) breakdown because of it but i thought it was because she was writing like schlocky fiction uh-huh. And he didn't like the the content. He even says, like, he can see that she's talented. He's not even saying, like, her talent's not there. It's just, like, she can do better. And, like, there's more. She can write about things that are better and more personal to her, I think, is really what he was, like, mm-hmm. getting at. Because she was writing what people wanted to hear and not, like, what she wanted to write. We've got Eliza Scanlon as Beth. Easy to be the least noticed sister. Mm-hmm. Because she, you could argue... She has less of a personality than the others, and she dies halfway through. So it would be easy for her to be sort of the one you forget about. But I think she does pretty good in this. I think she captures Beth really well. I also like um, the actress. I saw her in the show Sharp Objects with Amy Adams, Mm. and she's Mm -hmm. like a very different character in that. So like, it was cool kind of seeing her like range as an actress, seeing that she can Mm. kind of like 
because her character's not really like sweet at all in Sharp Objects. And she's kind of like the sweet one in this one. And I think she captured that like kind of like fragile quality of Beth and like. They're doing like this inception thing where they're on that beach for 45 minutes at the end of the movie and you just keep intercutting it, the beach scene with other stuff and you're like, she's going to die. She's going to die. Oh my God. Why are you showing me all of these things? She's going to die. <laughs> and, and then, and then she does and it's, uh, but sh- she's so good in her relationship with Chris Cooper as the old man who lives mm-hmm. next door. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think also it's just like a wonderful thing that speaks to her character of like when their mom is out of town and has told them to like keep up with the good, good works that they do in the community. And she's the one who goes by herself to like deliver bread to like the poor family and to like do all of the things like keep up with all of the good work that their mom does all the time, which I think is just like so sweet so like she's fragile but she's also got that like strength of like she's she has like the moral strength from their mom of like doing the right thing always no matter what even if her sisters are too lazy or too self-involved or whatever else to do it absolutely Mm -hmm. i love her and i think the movie does a good job of letting you see her in little moments where you realize that she she feels like more of a character and not just like the perfect the perfect sister who dies <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. gets to stay a child forever yeah. never yeah. did anything wrong in her life and dies mm-hmm. like i think particularly the moment where you see her in the play at the beginning the little play they all do and how she's like hyping herself up and does the performance <laughs> yes laura dern is <laughs> marmy the mom yes <laughs> okay i love laura dern uh, i love laura dern and I mm-hmm. really, really love her as Barmy. Like, yeah, it was. It's definitely one of my favorite performances in this movie. And I know mm-hmm. she won for Marriage Story this year, but I was like, she could have just. You could have just as easily given her an Oscar nom for this yeah. movie. Like, yeah. And it's definitely. It's like I mean, like it's not the same as like every other role she's played, which I liked. Like I f- and she took on the mom character and played a mom very well, but also made her very real and like grounded and like a person mm-hmm. that's not just a mom like she's a person on her own separate from being a mom you know and i love just i just love the way marmy like talks with her kids and like the very open honest conversation she has with her kids and stuff it's really special yeah the one convo the like i am angry every day of my life like that bit is so good it's so I, good. I don't know i felt like her plagiarizing mark ruffalo in that moment was a little uncouth <laughs> I guess now, as we continue on the list, it's time for our regular segment, Everyday Chalamet, where we talk about Timothy Chalamet's performance. How do we feel about him in this movie? Emmett, you feel like you have something to say? (laughs) Breaks my heart every time. Mm. Every day. Every day, Mm. and it would never be too much. How could you have any more hurt puppy energy and also look like a sly fox and also <laughs> be out there having a like romantic relationship with three out of the four sisters and possibly uh-huh. their mother? <laughs> yes, I the mean, mom. I was going to talk about is, that. He is laying it down. Yeah. Oh, my uh-huh. God. It's, <laughs> it's just like when he sees Amy for the first time in the park and he's there with the scarf and she like sees him and you're like oh you know (laughs) and the scene on the hillside where she's just tearing his heart out in front of his eyes and he's like 
just pleading for everything and the moment when he's walking away and she turns back around and he turns back around and the look on his face like oh wait she's not really gonna do it and then she does Mm. (laughs) incredible i think he does a great job i think he captures that youthfulness really well and Mm -hmm. like the fact that i like feel so so much pain and like sorry like so much sadness for him when um joe like rejects him and then and like also, the scene where he's, like, talking to Amy at that party, I want to, like, actually murder him. I want her to murder mm. him. When, when he, like, grabbed her arm, I was like, kill him. I was like, end him right now. <laughs> but then I'm like, yeah. oh, but they're so sweet. So it's like, he does that. He brings the, like... Because there's times where Laurie is, like, a jerk in this, in this movie. But mm-hmm. also, like, you sympathize with him and you understand that, like, he's young and he's learning and he's growing and, like, hopefully grows up to be better, like... Yeah, I feel like the movie does a really good job of like presenting all the angles with him without passing judgment on him. Yeah. I feel like here's here's the deal with this. The first moment he walks into that house, he falls in love with the family and he falls in love with the idea of a warm space. Like we know he doesn't have a dad, he doesn't have a mom. He mm-hmm. just lives there with his old his old sad old granddad who's like a very sweet man but probably not great company you know like to have all the time and harsher on him than he is on anyone else. yeah exactly and and he then he comes into this warm space and all female space when he first enters it too and is like no this is like warm and caring and loving and like this is everything that i need and i think it's more for him it's less about joe and more about like the whole environment and yeah. like that makes me really sympathize with him and that makes me really sympathize with his change and decision to marry mm. Amy. Yeah. Um because he wants to be part of that family. And I think it's really sweet for Joe and him too that they get to be family still. And they do get to like continue to be together but just not that way because that's not the way they're meant to be together. A lot of adaptations of Little Women I feel like center Joe so much that it's just like everyone else and how they relate with Joe. Mm. But this movie like mm. really gave everyone their own like separate life away from Joe. Like you even see scenes where Joe's not around and like mm-hmm. what's going on with them without Joe. And so I like that like they all were people with like a story and with something like to say and something that they were going through. And I see that with him, like with what you're talking about where he first comes to the house. It wasn't even about Joe in that moment. It was about him and like him wanting this. This is, like, the closest I have ever seen anyone come to Leo and Romeo plus Juliet, where he's, like, so just, like, angelically beautiful and, like, emotionally available in every scene. But I think he has, like, so much more depth in this movie Mm. than young Leo or most sort of, like, young heartthrob characters get. Yeah, he's really, like, really good. Uh, Meryl Streep as Aunt March. (laughs) It's pretty incredible that we you get this far down the list, and they're like, "Oh, and also Meryl Streep, she's also here." I was saying this to my boyfriend when I, when we watched together. I was like, "She barely stands up this whole movie," and I like to think that when she signed on, she was like, "I'll do it, but I'm not standing." Like she's like, "I will be sitting down the whole time," because she's either like on a couch or like in a carriage. She's uh-huh. like, "Oh, I'm sorry, you can't afford walking Meryl Streep." <laughs> You can only afford seated at Meryl Street. <laughs> I love that she's pretty much like just comedic energy in this. Yeah. Like they're like, we're going to get Meryl Street, but she's like sort of just going to play the comedic <laughs> side character. I know. I love it. And she does it because Meryl Streep always shows up to work, you know? 
the other thing is so many of these characters, it's easy to be like, they're just a trope, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it would be so easy to play the ant as, like, just old and annoyed. <laughs> but, like, you totally get where Meryl is coming from. Yeah. Well, And there's this fascinating whole bit where she's like, yeah, I didn't ever get married because I wanted to have control of my money and, mm-hmm. like, wanted to... And you have to get married because you yes. can't be poor. But... I didn't have to do that because I was smart. Yeah, she's like not suggesting marriage because of the social like that's what's expected, but because mm-hmm. like she is like money will make you like you can yeah. do more with money. Yeah, the scene where like, and I don't think she even says anything, but like the scene where she processes that Amy has chosen love over status, even though Lori is also rich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> She really didn't do anything that bad. He's just, like, not stable, like, whoever the other dude is. I think it's also really interesting where there's the moment where she looks at Joe with her hair cut, and that's the moment that she decides on Florence, or on Mm -hmm. uh, Amy, for for the Paris trip. And it's, like, not all of the other stuff. It's just the hair. She's down to brass tacks and practicality, that one. You got Tracy Letts, who plays in Lady Bird, her father. In this movie, he's the agent, hmm. the famous playwright, Tracy Letts, who is like the her her literary publisher, who is sort of going back and forth with her this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Really warm, yeah. I thought, for a guy who's kind of a jerk, yeah. you also really like him. <laughs> yeah. He's got he's got some good comic moments in there. And didn't make the character just like I'm horrible. Yeah, like no. like way to saying like he made it like okay because it was funny, you know. He also has a great moment of realization when his daughters come to him with the <laughs> manuscript and you can see that he's clearly like, "Oh, this might make me money." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then right there again popping up at the end, we've got Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul as mm-hmm. the dad who comes home from war, he's only in probably the last half an hour of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And probably in like six minutes total screen time. Yeah, he does good. <laughs> he does fine. Yeah. Like never am I really worried about what the what the dad is doing or thinking. I'm like, yeah. okay, he's there now. Yeah. I'm happy for the girls that their dad is there, like, because mm-hmm. they're happy. That scene really gets me when he, yeah. when he comes back home for the first time. It's yeah. sweet. So for good. some reason, like, for a while before I, like, watched this, I thought the dad was, like, dead. Like, my memory mm. of Little Women was that the dad was dead. Because I, like, mm-hmm. saw it as a kid. And then I was like, oh, no, he's he comes back. There's, like, a whole thing. I think it's interesting that you never see him and Laura Dern kiss. Hmm. Like, in there, when he, like, comes hmm. home from the war, like, his first thing is hugging all four of the daughters. Yeah. And then, like, after he's done that, then the mom comes and hugs him. Yeah. But even and at the funeral and all the other times we see him, like, we see them being very close and intimate, but you never see them kiss on screen. Hmm. Interesting. This movie, also the rare PG movie, we should say. Hmm. Almost no movies are PG anymore because kids' movies are G and then, like, everything else is PG-13. <laughs> As we move through these last couple, I'm just going to group them into our regular segment, Greta Off Without You. Oh, yeah. In this segment, we look at all the suitors in the movie and say which of them we would date in real life. Let's count them down. We've got Chalamet's Laurie. Okay. And we've got Professor Bear mm-hmm. from the end. We've got Meg's husband. John Brooke. John Brooke. James Norton is John Brooke. There's that like weird fop that 
Amy is going to marry. Oh, yeah. Who you see for <laughs> 30 seconds of this movie. There's that guy, too. I want him. I guess we could mention Chris Cooper <laughs> as the eligible grandpa if we wanted to. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Just wow. throw him in there, too. That's a tough one for me. I honestly yeah. think for me, for um, me at too. least with this movie, I would go with Bear. I like, like, smart the smart boy. You know, mm. the intelligent one. But I also know that, like, high school me would have um, been in love with John Brooke. I would have yeah. been in love with, like, that kind of, like, kind of awkward, but, like, classically handsome. Like, that kind of whole, like, deal was me in high school. But I think now mm. I would go for Bear more. I think I would do exactly what Joe does. <laughs> <laughs> and get my heart stomped on by Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> and then then retreat into the warm and loving embrace of Bear. Mm. I think I would be a little bit intimidated by Bear, but I don't know. I feel like I would probably be most likely to end up with John Brooke. Mm. Although, after seeing the movie, like, if I knew what I know now from seeing the movie, Mm -hmm. probably not, because that's not really what I'm trying to do. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of what I am doing, and I'm trying not to do. See, I think I would want to be a bear because I like being, like, the dumber one. It makes me feel like I like someone else being smart for me. Sure. I guess I, I will just will be the dumber one. No <laughs> so that's fine. Okay, the other the other thing that I want to talk about, we've talked about the cast, we talked about the structure. I want to talk about the ending a little bit. Okay. Because this is the other big thing that Gerwig changes, is that there's um, a little meta-textual layer to the ending. Which is that, as we mentioned in the book, Joe marries Professor Bear, and it's like a weird left turn, but she does end up married, which was because in real life, Louisa May Alcott was uh, regulated by the publisher that if there was a female protagonist, she had to be married by the end of the book. Mm -hmm. So in this movie, we have like the framing device that Joe is trying to get her work published, and also that she meets Bear and like... There's the romance between them. And it gets up to the point where, like, they're going to tell each other they love her. And then it cuts back to the publishing and you see the uh, publisher being like, well, you've got to do it. You have to have a happy ending. And and then eventually Joe gives in and then we cut back and we see the happy ending. And then we cut back for the final shot is her in the publishing office or in the printing office as the book is being printed. Mm-hmm. So it ends with that. Um, I like it. I think it um, was a way to kind of like, in our modern era, like address the like clearly sexist world that like Louise May Alcott lived in. And like the fact that like mm-hmm. this book probably would have been differently if she didn't live in that world. But like still was telling the book because like if you just went off away from the book, like people were going to flip out and be like, like if she decided to do something differently, I mean, it could have been cool. I don't know, but like I, there would have definitely been the people out there that were like mad. Yeah. So like I think it was a way to like address it, but still like do the book if that makes sense. And I just thought, I thought it was kind of funny too. Like I thought it was just like a funny little. I think it is too, and that's kind of what sells it to me is how quickly Joe relents because they're still still like within the story. Joe is in love with Bear, yeah. So like. The smile on her face she's like, okay. when she's like... <laughs> and yeah. because in in the story world version of this, she's already made that decision to fall in love with Bear. She just hasn't made the decision to write it into the story. Like, because mm. that's... I think that's the last thing that's happening in the whole thing is is her talking to the publisher. It's like the last thing that's happening in story timeline, right? 
Uh, well, the the very ending of the book is the school. Oh, oh, right, right. Okay, because you do see some of that after she gets with Bear. But she would be talking to him after whatever time Bear came to see her. So she knows how it goes, and it is it is that's like she is in love with him. She has already made that decision, and she's happy to relent. Yeah, I think it is like a little bit having it both ways, but... As someone who wants wants it, like I want them to get together and have that moment. I think it's fun and exciting that she does it that way. Yeah, and clearly is like a tribute to Alcott in a big mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's cool that the school is very similar to the school that uh, Mistress America, Greta Gerwig's character, describes. Like the restaurant where everybody will be there and it'll be very warm, and all the kids are going to mm-hmm. grow up to to be artists and be around like loving artistic people all the time and it's like that's that same dream followed through on it's also how um colin trevorrow's planned star wars episode 9 script ends with (laughs) ray on like a lush plains planet teaching a jedi school with the help of finn and (laughs) poe i mean that makes sense you know you want you want the the heroes to come back and have some wisdom to impart to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the whole, like, ancient epic myth, right? No. Throughout the movie, there's a lot of, like, references to their education and, like, mm-hmm. the way that they're being educated. And, like, clearly mm-hmm. they're not, like, super happy with it. Like, Amy does not like her school. And Marmy ends up not really liking her school for her either. And, like, Joe's teaching Beth. And there's, like, I think a line even where Meg is, like, John Brooke is, like talking about women's education and she like is like snaps back at him like yeah john brooke has some thoughts about women's <laughs> education yeah. that he is eager to impart to the women in the room um, that's why i like that like you had those hints and then it kind of ended with them creating this school where women can learn and not just learn like basic knowledge but like grow in their art and grow in like mm-hmm. the things that they're passionate about too and the thing that i love about like the filmmaking is that they do all of the past and like these really warm tones and they do like all of the present, the entire movie in like these cool blue tones mm-hmm. because it doesn't like tell you when they switch back and forth. That's just like kind of what you have to be like, not even paying attention to, but picking up on yeah. just like which world you're in. And I love that it's only when they get to the school that it becomes warm in the present. Yeah, It isn't getting her artistic ambition fulfilled mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. she gets the book. And it isn't like, getting the relationship and and the love with professor bear it is like when she finally attains that higher purpose that she wasn't even like actively pursuing the whole yeah. movie you know oh i love that like that's the mm. thing that sets her free okay. yes oh wow <laughs> well the movie made me cry now you're gonna make me cry talking about the movie <laughs> great <laughs> I adore this movie. It's one of my favorite movies ever made. I I can see how, like, if you weren't into it, it would be a little bit of a slog Mm because it is, like, so sincere Mm -hmm. and so nostalgic. And I, like, go so hard in for those things. Yeah, same. But, like, if you weren't into it, it is, like, two and a half hours of three-minute scenes that are, like, played straight. But that's – but okay. And that would be annoying if the acting wasn't incredible. Yeah, and like everyone is serving one hundred percent of the time. Mm -hmm. It's like they're just they're giving it everything you need. There's like a whole parade of emotions on everyone's face. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I, yeah, I mean it. I I do see how like I understand why the PBS miniseries of this would not be something that I could sit through. (laughs) 
I watched it. <laughs> How was it? Um, it's been a minute. I watched it like a year ago, I think. Because it was kind of trying to do this thing of like taking that world and then bringing it to the modern world. But something didn't mm. like mesh for me. It like felt kind of like two separate stories were being told and it was just a little weird. But there were some really good actors in it and like it was still entertaining. It wasn't bad. It's just like there was something that, especially because I think I watched it after I watched this movie. So like. I was watching it being like, oh, but Greta Gerwig's movie did this, which was better. I remember being a little disappointed when it was announced that she was doing Little Women because I was so into Lady Bird. Mm -hmm. I was like, can't wait to see what she does next. And then they were like, Little Women? I was like, really? (laughs) And then I kind of thought that it was going to be like a modern adaptation or she was going to do something like different. And then they put out the trailer, which was very like, makes it look much more like a costume drama than I would say it really is. And I was like, it's just like another Little Women. Like, (laughs) where is like the exciting Greta Gerwig in this? And then when you see it, it all clicks into place. This was the first Greta Gerwig movie I ever saw. I had never read Little Women, so I had absolutely no context going in other than that we were all going to watch it. (laughs) And that Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet were in it. And I was like, well, that's enough. You know, we, we passed through this interesting phase in like the... 2010s where there weren't movie stars i mean there were people who were famous but there was like no one who you would go and see a movie because they were in it mm-hmm. and i feel like in the late 20 teens we were getting i at least like i was getting back into like having people that like had pull power like if they were in a movie i would go see it it doesn't matter if i've heard of the movie or anything else about it like were you shocked that first time or surprised by anything not knowing the story like None of it was, like, surprising once I got to the end of it. Like, all of it hit me in the moment. Like, hit the emotional weight of it hit me. But I was like, yeah, obviously, like, the sick, ailing girl is going to die at the end. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like, it was about halfway through. I was like, oh, well, Beth is going to die, and it's going to mm-hmm. rip my heart out when she, when, when she does. Yeah. I do think I was surprised about the way things turned out between Joe and between Joe and Lori and Amy. And I think, like, the surprise of it the first time around is why I sympathized with him more. There's a lot of Little Women adaptations where it's, like, when Lori and Amy, like, get together, it's, like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. like, hold up. So this one, like, gave us, like, their relationship more, which I enjoyed. Mm. There is, like, the real sorrow of losing Beth. And, like, that scene of Laura Dern crying <laughs> without the audio, like, destroys it's me. It's so... Especially because they do that where they she had like come down that other time, mm-hmm. and Beth was right mm-hmm. there, and then she comes on that time, and you just see Laura Dern's face, mm-hmm. and no one's there, and it's like it hit it. Yeah, I was like openly weeping. Yeah. That well, and and like that's the whole reason that the second half is cold is like blue is because like Beth is dying and dead in that half, you know, and mm-hmm. like because they've suffered this whole tragic loss as a family. I mean, yeah. I hadn't I had not even paid attention to like the tonal or like the color mm-hmm. shifts or whatever in the thing. But it makes me think because like Joe talks a lot about like the loss of childhood. So like the warmer ones are her childhood and then we go where there's these children at the school and that's when it's like warm again. Oh, so like yeah. this like childhood continues, you know, like Mm-hmm. Even when your childhood's gone, like there's still. And the thing I love about the Beth thing too is that like the scene immediately after she dies has her in it. Yeah. Because they flip back. So it's like you immediately, mm-hmm. even though Beth is dead, like you immediately are spending time with her again. Yeah. Which I think is 
like some other statement it's making too. I also, like, I mean, and that, that's so true of memory too, because don't you mm-hmm. like, you know, the you do still like have people with you who are no longer present on the earth, mm-hmm. and some like especially right after people die, you do re- like remember them very often yeah, and yeah, very yeah. intensely. You know? Yeah, we like to ask who the protagonist of every movie we watch is and what they want throughout the movie. Adam, any thoughts about this? I definitely think it's Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think she, I mean, she obviously like wants to be a great writer and just kind of like wants to make her own way in the world and like find a way to like live without relying on like someone else, like for it to be her that's mm. making her way in the world. And I think she also mm. like always her family is like a drive of hers, like to take care of her family, to be there for her family. That's always something that's important to her too. I, I also think that Joe is the protagonist. I want to make a case for Amy, but I don't like realistically, especially in this movie, I don't really think that's possible. Mm-hmm. I think it's a tribute to this movie though, that you can get so close to making a case for it. Yeah, you can get yeah. very, very close to making a pretty good case, but it begins and ends with her. We know it's her. Okay. It's tied up in it's tied up in the school that she starts. And it's mm. tied to the very beginning. Like, she loves her family. Like, and not the, like, oh, she loves, like, the individual people in her family, but she loves the way that it operates. Like, she loves the environment. She loves mm-hmm. putting on plays with her sisters and, like, that whole thing. She is thriving in it the most, it feels like, even out of all of them. And she's even the one saying to Meg, like, don't go, don't change your life, stay here, do the Peter Pan thing, like, let's be kids forever, let's, like, continue to, like, do this thing where we're just the four sisters living together forever. It feels like she's trying to prolong her childhood for a lot of the movie. Mm -hmm. And that the scene with Lori is her, like, ending it in a pretty drastic way and being like, I'm going to do these other things and who's here's the person i'm going to be as an adult and then it's about like reconciling those two visions like her childhood vision and her adult vision of her like her childhood vision of what family can and should be and her adult ambition have to be like reconciled Mm -hmm. so that she can find peace by the end of the by the end of the film I just came up with that on the fly and (laughs) and i like hit me kind of hard as i was saying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't necessarily have anything as as eloquent or just like as developed as that i also think it's joe i think there's something in there about like it being tied into writing her thing the whole time because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it does feel like she's actively pursuing her career the most yeah out of all of the four of them mm-hmm. i don't know i think she does get what she wants in the end in that like really beautiful really long scene of an original printing press where you're kind of just like, oh, I guess that's how books are made. <laughs> but then it isn't like, like we said, that isn't the end of her story. Like that isn't the thing that gets her out of her funk that she's in this movie. Because I think like the way they structure it makes it like, this is a movie about Joe being in a depression, being in a place where her art like isn't fulfilling and like searching back through all these old memories until mm. she like unlocks the thing that gets her out of it. You yeah. see her at the very end, like the last, the very last shot is just this half smile. You know, we talked about, I talked about this on the Ladybird episode. The last thing that happens on the Ladybird episode is the inhale before new movement or new thought. 
and mm. the last shot of this movie is like the exhale of satisfaction hmm. mm. and it's i just think like paying attention to to the breath especially in an actor as good as Saoirse Ronan and a director as like keyed into an actor as Greta Gerwig yeah you know so if Joe is our protagonist then we have to ask the question who is our MVP who is our favorite character other than Joe in this movie our um MVP OTJ (laughs) I suppose Adam I mean I think like Amy like Florence Pugh just is like a really like Mm -hmm. obvious and clear like I don't know. She brought so much to that role and like made me really care about that character. And like, I loved that character's journey. And like, there's a lot of complexity to Amy, I think, especially in this like film that I really enjoy. I also really, I'm just like, have a soft spot for Marmee and for Laura Dern. So that's like another <laughs> one that I. I'll allow it. I'll allow you to sneak into. <laughs> I'll let it pass this time. I would Emma? say Amy is my answer, though. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I want to say some cute thing and be like Chris Cooper. <laughs> because I think he is amazing in this, but I would be lying if I didn't say Timothy Chalamet mm-hmm. uh, as Laurie. I think Laurie is so good. I-, I love him. And then in some scenes, I hate him. <laughs> he says at one point, I feel caught. And I resonate with that. <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny. Wait, who is your MVP, OTJ? Oh, <laughs> uh, I have... I mean, there are, like you said, there are so many good people in this movie, yeah. so it's hard to pick. I will give a shout out to Emma Watson, who I do think mm. is a little underappreciated for her work mm-hmm. here. Yeah, I but agree. I actually think my MVP is Meryl Streep. Yes, as the yeah! aunt. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm not like, a l- a look, she's incredible. I'm sure she's the best actress alive. But I'm not like normally the biggest Streep head. I haven't seen it like everything she's in. But I feel like it's such a cool use of her to be like, she's just going to be funny. She's just going to yeah. be sassy. She's going to be like irreverent and kind of tearing down the constructs of this world at every turn. <laughs> yeah. And also just have the best facial expressions of anyone. She's so good. Yeah. And the scene where she's just snoring and then she wakes <laughs> up and gets angry. <laughs> Love her. Okay. We like, to, uh, we like to end things with a little quiz. And uh, this week, <laughs> this week I'm about to text this to both of you. We're all going to play the BuzzFeed quiz, Which Little Women Are You? Oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> we're going to find out. So don't skip ahead. We're going to go through this together, and we're going to figure out which, which March sister from Little Women. If you want to play along at home, this is on BuzzFeed from January 2020. The seven simple questions will reveal which little women sister you're most like. Mm. Before we start, do you have any feelings about which little women sister you are? I strongly do, and I do not want to reveal it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I know who I am. I mean, for me, it's between two, but like, I think I know who I am. Who do you think? (laughs) I think I'm either Amy or Meg. Like, I'm. I just like things, and I like good. I like um. Feeling secure. I definitely, um, as a child, was more of an Amy. I was a little bit of like a brat in some ways. I feel like you're a lot of a Joe, too. (laughs) That was the first one that came to mind for you. And I also think you have a little bit of Beth just for being so sweet. Oh, thank you. That was my first. I guess I'm all of them. My first two (laughs) feelings for you were not the two you thought you were. So I will let you know that. I guess we all, you know, like see ourselves differently than other people see us. 
I want to be Joe, so I'm scared to say that I am that because, like, that's who I would like. You know, like when you're young and you're like reading mm-hmm, Little Women, you're mm-hmm. like, I want to be Joe, but like, yeah. But then reality, we're all Amy's, you know. <laughs> I feel like I've got a little bit of Joe, but I also think I have a lot of Meg. I definitely relate to like the older sibling trying to hold things together mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah, let's read them out loud okay. and we'll go we'll go through them all together. So the first question is: pick a book. You've got Macbeth, Little Women. Pride and Prejudice <laughs> and Sense and Sensibility. Which really feels like in those last two they could have put something a little more different. Yeah. I put Pride and Prejudice. Okay. I okay. really like I've always loved Pride and Prejudice, so I'm putting the only one of these that I've read, Macbeth. I love Macbeth, but I think I'm gonna go with Little Women here. I think that's closer to mm. my sensibilities. Okay, question number two, we've got what talent would you choose if you could? Which is interesting. <laughs> art, music, writing, or dancing? And art, just so you know, there's some paintbrushes in the picture. So I assume we're talking studio arts. Like here. visual yeah. arts. Visual arts. I put music because I'm bad at like literally all, all three of the others. So music's the only thing of those that I do. Yeah, I'm going to put dancing because that is the one that, I've, that I would like to have. Mm, <laughs> that fair. I don't have. <laughs> fair. I, I put music as well because for the same reason that Wade did. It's the thing that I would like to get better at of these. Okay, question number three. How would your friends describe you? Stylish, shy, determined, or kind? <laughs> I'm, pu- I'm putting kind for myself. I think that people would say I'm kind. I would describe you as kind. I, I can be stylish. I mean... <laughs> I'm not resonating with either any of these. <laughs> I guess it's which one uh, most <laughs> close. I do think I'm kind to people, but I don't know if that's the number one thing that people would say. I'm going to go with determined. Yeah, I was going to say I could see determined for you. I don't know. I guess kind. Say kind or stylish. I was also considering stylish, but I don't think I'm really that stylish. Well, I think you <laughs> are. I think you're stylish. Okay, well, well, thank you. Thank <laughs> but you. But I also I'm think you're very—I think you're very kind too. So oh, I'm going That's with true. stylish now. <laughs> uh, okay, if you could have one wish for yourself, it would be money, love, endless childhood, <laughs> success. <laughs> These are very um, on-the-nose questions. Yeah. So which one you're picking? Okay, well, but okay. So I picked money because I don't have it. Like I have love. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like realistically, I want love more, but. I have yeah. that. So why would I wish for it? Like, I'm going to wish for money because I don't have money. I agree. I think I'm also going to go the same way because I feel like if I had money, then I could make what I want <laughs> and maybe it would be successful, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to just like automatically being successful. Yeah, yeah. So let me level with you. There was a strong draw towards endless childhood over here. <laughs> That's, fine. Yeah. That's fine. But I went with success because like endless childhood would be fun for me. <laughs> But success, like, my vision of success involves helping other people, and I think that's Mm. better. Mm. So that's what Mm -hmm. I go with. Now we've got Choose a Man from Little Women. Uh, We've kind of already said this, an interesting selection here. (laughs) We've got Laurie, Professor Bear, John Brooks, and Father March. (laughs) Are the four men they've chosen. No gilf love in this crowd, I see. (laughs) I guess Beth's boyfriend is Father March. Well, I guess I'm going to go with John Brooks, my answer from earlier. Yeah, I did Bear, which is what I said earlier, too. So I'm going to go with Laurie because, you know. Fair. Got to give him some love. He needs it. 
Okay, choose an animal, cat, dog, hamster, or no animal. <laughs> the options here. No animal for me. Those famous beloved four American pets. I, I, I have serious issues with this, but uh, with this question, but we can mm. get to it. What are your answers? Oh, I said dog. I'm going to say no animal for me. That feels the most honest, although I have loved... Uh, living with a dog this winter mm. i'm saying dog because i love my dog but my god your four choices are cat hamster dog and no animals do you know a lot of people keep reptiles oh a, a goldfish maybe or a a turtle a, a bearded dragon for instance <laughs> all right and the final question most importantly, this is their emphasis, not mine. Do you think Amy should have ended up with Lori? The options here are no, Joe. Yes, obviously. They do seem happy, I guess, question mark. And probably not, but I'm not bothered by it. <laughs> I put yes. I like them together. Especially, like, in terms of this film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to put they do seem happy, I guess, because... I do like them ending up together, but I'm not sure it's obvious. I'm not sure I would say, yes, obviously they should have. So I'm going to say they do seem happy, I guess. I'm saying probably not. Okay. Just honestly, like, not that I don't like the way this ends, but probably not. But I'm not bothered by it. All right. The answers are in. (laughs) Who did everyone get? What's the scoop? I got Amy. Like the youngest March sister, you have a fiery spirit. It may be a bit spoiled at times, but you have a heart of gold. (laughs) You know what you want in life, and you're not afraid to go for your dreams, even if you break a few hearts along the way. Sounds like me. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) I just got what I wanted. Joe March. Mm. You're Uh, brave, independent, smart, and loyal. You do anything for your sisters. So true. Uh, even if you choose to venture down a different path in life than they do, it's your selfless yet stubborn attitude that makes people respect and admire you. Is that who you thought you were? That is who I wanted to think that I was. Oh, okay. And yeah. I've also gotten Amy. (gasps) Oh my God. They've done it to me. (laughs) Yeah. I've got the the exact same description. I was wondering for a second if we were all three going to get Amy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I didn't think it was possible. completely different answers. Busted in some sort of way. <laughs> I know. I'm glad it's like got a picture of Florence Pugh because that makes me feel like, oh yeah, I'm Amy. Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, I right. win because I'm yeah. Florence Pugh. It makes you feel a little better. Yeah, about the whole situation. Adam, do you have any final thoughts about Little Women? No, I don't think so. I um, I love it. I'm gonna watch it again at some point. Mm. Emmett, final thoughts? I have two final thoughts on this. One. Is there's a scene on the Christmas day when Laura Dern comes in and tells the girls they've got this beautiful feast laid out before them. And she tells the girls there's this poor family down the street. They don't have any blankets. They don't have any food. Mm -hmm. Um, Will you please, will you give up your Christmas dinner and like take it to the poor people? And it's like so lovely, right? And they do. And the, like the first shot that you see of it is like Florence Pugh crying about it, but then the next shot they're just all all the four girls led by their mom, who Laura Dern is very tall, um, mm-hmm. it, are like walking down, and they've got all of their food and all the bundles and blankets, and there's nothing said about it, but the shot is the church, and all of the people walking into the church, 
and the five of them walking past the church down to feed the poor on Christmas. Oh, wow. And it is my favorite thing that Greta Gerwig has ever done. Yeah. And I was like, that that <laughs> speaks. So that's like so true. That's the truth. You know, and and that's that's what it is. My other thought on this, much less deep, is that Lori and Joe March invented the game Ninja. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That is a thing in this movie. <laughs> Wait, final thoughts? I have a couple scattershot, just little nuggets okay. I didn't mention. Um, first of all, there are a lot of film grain spots, hmm. which I didn't notice before this viewing, but there are, like, like when you watch something on a VHS or in, like, something being physically projected onto your screen, mm-hmm. there are, like, little mm-hmm. grainy spots on it, and those are all over this movie. So I'm not sure if they scanned them in or if they're like digitally added, but I think that's part of just her like going for some nostalgia thing. Oh, I thought that was part of the Stars app experience. I saw I when I saw it in theaters, I saw it at a theater that like plays their movies on film. Oh, so it was really damn. cool. Um, yeah, it was I'm like jealous. my family was just like looking for a theater and like ended up at mm-hmm. this random one that did that, and it was it was very cool. And so it kind of added to that effect too. Uh, Joe with her short hair looks exactly like Greta Gerwig did in Hannah Takes the Stairs, <gasps> the first movie, uh, which I, I thought was interesting. So beautiful. I love that Meg has this one sexy night where she makes everyone calls her Daisy, <laughs> and in the moment she's like, "Let me have this fun night. I'll never be bad again the rest of my life." And then she names her daughter Daisy at the end, which I thought was a bold move. But I was into that, and she yeah. names her son Demi. Maybe we should stop throwing things in the ocean. This was something I thought. I think this happens in Lady Bird too, or in Mistress America. One of the two. There are both like mm-hmm. a moment where a character passionately like destroys their art by throwing it into the ocean. Oh my gosh! We don't need to litter. Yeah, save, <laughs> you can burn it. Yeah, save yeah. the turtle. Wait, don't burn it. That's also bad. Save the turtles. <laughs> Just throw it away, I guess. Uh, my final thought is that I love the trope of the old house doctor who visits and delivers bad news to the parent <laughs> which is in this movie and is in so many other movies like yeah. the guy who's not a character but comes to visit and walks out of the room and gives the parent a look and you know it's not good damn such a good trope i'd love to pay, play one one day i feel like <laughs> you could do it very well oh yeah you would kill that role one of those non-speaking roles, or they have one line, and they're just like, can I talk to you outside? <laughs> and it's like, it's devastating. And you're like, oh my god. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Wade, you would do really well at that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I thought of something I wanted to add. Please, please, please. Um, I wanted to say this in case Meryl Streep ever hears this podcast. Um, she probably, um, we can only dream. I know I didn't pick you, Meryl, as my number one, but like... <laughs> In general, you are my number one, and like you could have easily taken the spot. So much love for you, girly. Take care. When Emmett and I were pitching this podcast, one of our podcasts was called The Dern Cast. Oh my god! And it was just going to be us watching every Laura Dern movie in order. And I stand by it. I wanted to have a Meryl Streep podcast um, called Meryl Lee. We roll along. Oh my god! That's good. Oh, yeah. Incredible. That's good. You should do it. Yeah, you should do it. Ed. I also am going to make a Glee podcast called Mr. Schuster Can Choke, but that's like another story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I hope if you decide to make these podcasts, um, you'll just come on over to DKG Productions and uh, <laughs> be a part of our podcast empire, baby. Oh I'd be happy yeah, please, to. Uh, please write us. 
um, what's our email address? At cinemabums at gmail.com. Cinemabumspod <laughs> at gmail.com and tell us what other podcasts you want to hear. Yeah. Adam, yeah. thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This was so fun. So lovely to have you on. Oh. Do you have any projects you want to plug? Anywhere that people can find you online? Anything you want to say while you're here? Um, you can find me um, on Instagram. Um, it's at Woodward underscore Adam. You can also find me on TikTok. It's at Miss Piggy's Gay Assistant. Um, and I'd be happy for you to give me a follow. Thank you, guys. Uh, well, I guess that just about does it. We're gonna be we're gonna be back on Friday. Where we're going to be announcing our next series. I seriously cannot believe we've already wrapped this series up. It's incredible to me. And I also can't wait for Greta Gerwig's next movie. Whatever it may be. Yeah. You know what? I was going to say that on the other one, but we can just say this now. And this might not come to fruition, but what she is, she's been signed on to work on for the last little bit is a, a Barbie movie. <sighs> A live-action Barbie movie starring Margot Robbie. Oh, my gosh. Directed by Greta, written by Greta and Noah Baumbach together. That's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's one of those movies that has like been in development hell forever. Because there was a version of it with Amy Schumer. Okay. That was like trying to get made for a long time and then just never happened. But like this one came together, I think, around the time this movie came out. So hopefully it will become real and they'll shoot it as soon as it's safe to again you know late stage capitalism strikes again (laughs) um yeah but we'll be back on friday to talk about our next and then we'll be back next tuesday and that's it we love you guys bye stay frosted cinema bums is a production of dkg podcasts it is created and produced by emma temple and me wade lawrence holloman i also edit and mix the podcast Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram, at cinemabums, or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week. 